guys can be seated. Good morning. Man, it's great to see everyone here this morning. I'm sure that for most of you, you probably didn't know that song, but I thought it went really good with our lesson today. I want to thank so many of you for the comments about last week's sermon. Several of you told me that this series is exactly what you need with a lot of the stuff that you're going through. And so I'm really glad that this, this series is helping so many of you. For those of you who are unable to be here last week, I'll review just a little bit some of the things that we started discussing from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is actually one of the 12 minor prophets. And he was most likely a temple musician. And then at some point he became a priest and a prophet, and I explained last week that a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. God says, look, I want you to carry this message to this group of people, and a prophet would carry that out. Well, God gives Habakkuk this message. He says, I want you to go and I want you to tell my people, Judah, that because they have become increasingly wicked, he says, I'm going to punish them. And chances are Habakkuk probably said, well, God, you know, you're right. They have become increasingly wicked, and so this is uh, relatively fair. But then God adds kind of a twist to it. He said, and oh, tell them this. He says, I am going to use the Babylonians to carry out my punishment. And you can almost hear Habakkuk at that point saying, wait, what? You're going to use who? Because, you see, here's the deal. For those of you who weren't here last week, Judah had become increasingly wicked, but the, the Babylonians, they were worse than the people of Judah. And now God says, I'm going to use a worse evil people to punish a less evil people. And Habakkuk says, what? In fact, basically what he says is, Your Honor, he says, I object. Because as you get into the book of Habakkuk, what you see is, is really a lot of judicial language. As if Habakkuk was going to say, God, you know I worship you, and God, you know I honor you. But he says, listen, God, I, I'm going to have to take you to court. I've, I've got evidence, I've got proof that you have been unjust and you have been unfair. In fact, you may want to write this down, Habakkuk means to embrace or wrestle. And really that's what we see Habakkuk doing with God. He starts wrestling with God. And maybe you've had some times in your life where you've wrestled with God. Where you've said, God, I don't understand this. God, why is this happening to me? God, this is not fair. And if you've ever thought that, or if you've ever had questions like that, then I really think the book of Habakkuk is going to speak to you. But here's what we're going to do today. We're going we're to talk about what we do when, when we're here, when we're in a pit. And some of you say, well, what do you mean by being in a pit? Well, I, I kind of used this illustration last week. Let's say that someone shares the gospel with you. 
and you begin to believe. I mean, God starts working on you and you begin to believe and you repent of your sins and you're baptized into Christ. You become a follower of Jesus. I mean, God absolutely begins to change your life and, and God starts working in big ways in your life. You know, maybe you come to services and it's like the preacher is talking directly to you just week after week. It's like, man, God, this is, this is amazing. You are speaking to me. And, and you go out and you get in your car and you turn on the radio and it's your favorite song and it's like, oh man, God, you, you are so good. You're just, you're right here with me and you're, you're driving down the road and, and you're hitting all the green lights. No, no red lights in your path. And, and you get to the mall or you get to the grocery store and man, there's a parking space right up front and it's like, God, you are so awesome. You are so good. I mean, you are just, you are right here with me, taking care of me. And then something happens over time. Maybe, maybe you lose your job. Or maybe you lose a loved one. Or... Maybe one of your kids starts acting out and rebelling. And it's like, whoa. God, I mean, I know you have the power to fix this. I mean, I know that you could do something about my situation and, and it would change everything, but, but God, you're, you're not. And it's like, God, I thought you were this. I mean, I thought you were loving, and I thought you cared about me, and I thought you were for me, and I thought you were a trustworthy guide. But, but now that you're not taking care of this now because you're not doing what I think you should do and what you're able to do, you know, God, I just, I just don't know what I believe anymore. You see, when people enter a crisis of belief, typically they go in one of two directions. We talked about this last week. They either get angry, they get really mad. Again, it's, God, I thought you were this, but apparently you're, you're not. You didn't come through here. You didn't do what I thought you should do. And so you know why, God? I'm going back here. I, I'm going back here, and, and I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And then there are others who go in a different direction, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego that we talked about last week, who say, God, I'm still going to trust you even, to, even though hard times come. I mean, I, I'm still going to believe, I'm still going to have faith, and, and if that's you, let me say this. If you continue to trust God through hard times, listen, you need to understand that things may not get any better right away. In fact, Things may even get a little bit worse. And that's when we need to remember Scripture, like James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, that says, Brothers, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be white, church, so that you may be mature and white, and complete and not lacking what? 
not lacking anything. In other words, what James is saying is, listen, in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardships, guess what? You can have joy. Doesn't mean you're going to like it. Doesn't mean you'd ever want to go through it again. But what James is saying is when we go through hard times and we hang with God, what we give God an opportunity to do is work on us and mold us into who we need to be and really strengthen our faith as we see Him bringing us through those hardships. Let me tell you, and I I said this last week, those that I know that are really close to God, they have been through hardships and they said, you know what, God? We're sticking with you. And as they came through on the other side and they saw the faithfulness of God, they just, their faith got even stronger. What do you do when you're in the pit? Well, we're going to look at Habakkuk chapter 2 today because I think this particular text mentions three things. Again, Habakkuk has just heard that God is going to punish Judah and he's going to use the Babylonians to do it. And so Habakkuk speaks out and he says in verse 1, he says, I'll climb up to my watchtower and I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. And well, God replies, verses 2 through 3, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for the future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be what, church? It will not be delayed. So what do we do when we're in a pit? And we're struggling with the fact that, hey, man, I know that God could do something here, but He's not doing what I feel like He should. I mean, if I was in His place, if I was in His shoes, I would go in this direction, but God's not doing that at all. And so, God, you don't seem fair. I mean, God, where are you? What are you you doing in all of this? And our text gives us three things that we need to do in moments like that. First of all, number one, we need to stop and we need to what, church? Oh, man, we need to listen. In fact, look back at Habakkuk. I mean, basically what he did is he said, you know what, God, I, I don't like this. In fact, I have a complaint against you. And the beautiful thing about God here in the book of Habakkuk is God seems to respectfully listen to him. In other words, it's as as if God allows Habakkuk to wrestle with God. And so Habakkuk says, well, I don't like what you're doing. I've stated my my case. God, it's your turn to reply. What do you have to say for yourself? Give me an answer. In fact, look at verse 1 again. He says, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower, and I am going to stand at my guard post. I'm going to climb the wall, God, and I am going to look to see what you're doing. And then in verse 2, he says, Therefore, I will see what the Lord... What? What the Lord says. I love what Habakkuk does here. He does what we oftentimes 
do. We, we can think to ourselves, God, I have this complaint against you. But Habakkuk takes a different turn. I, I think so oftentimes people say, God, I, I have this against you. I have this complaint against you. And, and then after they voice their complaint, they just kind of go on with life. But Habakkuk says, I have this complaint against you. And then he waits and he listens to hear what God says. In other words, many of us never stop to listen. God, what are you saying? And here's the beautiful thing about God. God is a relational God and He loves to speak to His children. God loves to speak to us. I'm not talking about an audible voice like he spoke to the prophets, but I still believe that God speaks to us today. One of the ways that he speaks to us is through his word. My wife is constantly reminding people, listen, get into God's word because he has something to say to you every single day. I think he speaks to us through his word, through circumstances, through godly people. Brothers and sisters in Christ that we can seek out and go to for, for counsel who come alongside us and give us some guidance and some godly wisdom. But here's the deal. Are we willing to listen? And, and, and also, you know what? If, if we do stop and listen, I can't promise you you're going to like what you hear. I mean, did Habakkuk like what he heard? Does Habakkuk say here, you know what, God, this is exactly what I wanted to hear? No, but you know what? At least he knew where God stood. Right? The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 had what the text calls a thorn in the flesh. We don't, we don't know exactly what that was. But we see that Paul prayed about that thorn in the flesh over and over and over again. God, please remove it. Please, God, take this thorn in the flesh away. And God says, basically, I could, but I've decided not to. Why? Well, because I'm going to do something even better than take it away. Just look at the text. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord. Have you ever begged God to take something away? To remove something in your life? This is the Apostle Paul. He's begging God. God, take it away. And each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecution, troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, let's say it together, church, then I am strong. Isn't that interesting? When you don't understand, when you're in the pit, stop and listen. 
Let God speak to you. Prayerfully get into His Word. Seek the counsel of your brothers and sisters in Christ, especially those who've been through similar things. And I can guarantee you this morning, even though you may think no one knows what I'm going through, no one has ever been through anything like I've been through, I am here to tell you that's wrong. You look around at a room full of people who have gone through some stuff. Some hard stuff. I mean, I could just, I could give you a list. And and for some of you, it's like worse than others. I mean, you're like, man, how did they make it through that? A lot of people have gone through a lot in here. And they went through it with the Lord. And if you'll come alongside them and say, man, give me some counsel. Pray with me. Let me tell you, there's some, there's some brothers and sisters in Christ in this, in this room who'd be able to come alongside you and lift you up and give you strength and help you get through this. Here's the second thing. Write. Write down what God shows you. Write down His promises. Habakkuk asks, where are you, God? What's going on? And in verse 2, God says, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Now, why does God want Habakkuk to write all of this down? Well, God says, because years later, as you look at the text, He says, when I prove myself just and true, I want it in writing so that everyone will be able to see that I am a God that keeps His Word. Several years ago, Julie and I, well, I typically take care of the the finances and the taxes, and I had sent our taxes off to our CPA And I get a letter from the IRS saying that we owed a large sum of money. And so I called my CPA, and my CPA said, yeah, I must have made a mistake. You owe all this money. And and i got to tell you, I was terrified. I mean, like fear just like gripped me. I am absolutely scared to death. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to get this money. I'm finding out that I'm going to have to pay interest on all this money, and it's just going to snowball and accumulate... Man, I start praying, and, and I told Julie, and, and we're, we're praying, God, please help us, please deliver us. And it's amazing, several days later, our CPA calls and says, look, you know, I'm not used to doing ministers, and so we have a minister who's a CPA here on staff, and I'd like for him to look at your taxes. And he looks over my taxes, and he says, yeah, I found a mistake, and we ended up getting money back. But I remember it was at that point that Julie and I, we made a jar. And in that jar, we began to just put times where God really blessed us and He delivered us and He saw us through certain things. And then we would start pulling out of that jar maybe a couple of times the month and we would sit there and we would read those things to our kids. Because we... We wanted our kids to know that we serve a a faithful God. A good God. 
a caring God. But, but this, this is not just for others. This, this also benefits us as well. Because if you're like me and your wife calls you in the middle of the day and says, hey, on your way home, could you pick up a few things at the grocery store? What do you typically do? Or at least what do I typically do? I tend to forget. Either I forget to go to the store altogether or I get to the grocery store and I'm like, why am I here? And it's like one or two items. I, I, don't, I don't even, I mean, I'll call Julian. I'm like, I have no idea why I'm here. What, what am I doing? What am I picking up? And I forget. And Julie will always say, why don't you write it down? Why? So you remember. And, and God is saying, listen, write down my promises. Because here's the deal. Difficult seasons are going to come. They're inevitable. In every life, if you live long enough, let me tell you something, you're going to go through something. And in the middle of that, we can be tempted to forget God's promises. But if we'll write those things down, in times of hardship, we can pull those things out. It can become a spiritual anchor. Here's number three. Wait. It's awkward, isn't it? You ought to be me. We don't like waiting, do we? We don't like silence. We're, we're programmed for movement. Right? And, and we've been programmed for anything and everything instant. Like if I want popcorn, I don't have to wait, man. I just push a button, boom, two minutes. I've got popcorn sitting in my lap so I can watch a movie. Everything today, man, is, is just instant. And so when things don't instantly happen, it's like painful. We're just used to it. But God says, wait. Look at verse 3. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, what church? Wait patiently. That's hard to do. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. In other words, when God promises something, we may have to wait a while. But let me tell you something. We can take His promises to the bank. Let me share a few of God's promises with you. I would encourage you to write these down. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And maybe some of you right now, and, and here's the promise. Jesus says, and I'll give you rest. Give those things to me. We all know Romans 8.28, right? God causes, listen to the promise, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. What about Romans 8.38-39? through 39? Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh man, what about this promise? Philippians 4, 6-7. through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about anything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done. Then you will watch church. Experience God's peace. There's a promise which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's another promise. Philippians 4.19, And this same God who takes care of me, Paul says, will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. What about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 4 and 5? He comforts us in our times of trouble so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through God. What about this one? Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of God's gracious Throne, there we will receive His mercy and we'll find grace to help us in our most needed time. And then what about James 4.8? Come close to God and what's the promise? And God will come close to you. These are just a few. But so oftentimes, when you're here, when you're in the pit, it's very easy to forget those promises, right? Especially when you're waiting. But understand, God's delays are not God's denials. When God promises something in His Word, it will come to pass. Now, it, it may take time. You may have to wait. We see this all throughout Scripture. For example, take Moses. God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to give my people the promised land or, or the land of Canaan. And then guess what happens? Moses goes on a, a 40-year wandering tour. Right? Where the people are just waiting, waiting, waiting to, to enter this land that God is, is giving them. But after 40 years, they went in. And then you've got Joseph. Man, oh, how would you like to be Joseph, right? God gives him this vision. He tells Joseph, he says, listen, you're going to be this great leader. In fact, your brothers and your mother and your father, they're all going to bow down to you. And then what happens? Joseph is thrown into a pit by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. Then he ends up in prison for the next two years. And there's this long cycle. But then he becomes second in command under Pharaoh. Just as God said. And then you got Paul in Acts chapter 9. Paul in, encounters the risen Christ and, and, and Christ calls him to preach. He's going to preach to the Gentiles. But then you have this long stretch of time. You have years that go by before Paul ever preaches his first message. Sometimes you just wait. And when people think of waiting, they think of no movement. But let me ask you a question this morning. What does a waiter do? What does a waiter do? 
You got it. And so what do we do as we're waiting on God? We serve Him. We continue to wait on Him, but while we're waiting, we, we serve Him. Some of you right now, you're in that waiting zone. You're in the pit and, and you believe God's promises, but yet you don't see them yet. And, and I want to read verse 3 again from a different translation. It says, these things I plan, God says, won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when division will, will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely watch, church. Come to pass, just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Then you get into verse 4. Let me read this one one more time, again from a different translation. God says, the evil nation, talking about Babylon, is very proud of itself. It's not living as it should, but those who are, what church? Righteous will do what? will live by faith. Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by faith, not by what? Not by sight. We're called to live by faith. Not by what we see going on around us. Well, what will we have faith in? Whatever God says. And when God says something, you can take it to the bank. That's why I told you, when you're going through hard times, man, write down those promises. Get them out. God will comfort you. He will give you peace. God will, will make it to where even in the midst of something absolutely terrible and bad, He can, he can use that for, for good for those who love Him. He'll help you in your time of trouble. If you're struggling with your faith, I would encourage you to read Hebrews 11. And I'm fixing to let you have the lesson, but there's this list of those who were faithful, and I don't have time to go through the list, but one of the people that's mentioned is Noah. Can you imagine being Noah? By faith, he did what, church? He built a, an ark. Don't you know there were times where Noah had to be scratching his head going, God, I don't understand this. What in the world am I doing? What is this stuff that you keep talking about called rain? I've never seen that before. And you want me to build a boat... Because you're going to do something called a flood. And even though he'd never seen it, and even though he didn't understand, by faith he built that boat as God said, and his family was saved. And then you have the people of, of God, and God says, listen, I want you to march around the city of Jericho. And don't you know they're scratching their heads going, God, what in the world? What good is this? What are you doing here? I thought you were going to bring down our enemies and now we're just kind of marching around a city, blowing some horns. But in faith, 
They marched around the city, and just as God said, the wall came tumbling down, and they defeated their enemies. The righteous will live by faith. Some of you right now, you may be struggling financially. But by faith, you know that God's going to provide for you. There may be some of you right now, you're struggling in your marriage. And you got people all around you who are telling you, you know what, if I were you, I'd end it. Your marriage is dead. I, I would be done with it. But by faith, you believe, you know what, if God can resurrect His Son, He can resurrect my marriage. I believe He has that kind of power. And I know things aren't good right now. I know things are, are going the, the wrong way, but I, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to do what He says. I'll leave you with this. Three words. Three words I hope you remember. But the Lord. It's found in verse 20. But the Lord is in His what church? In His holy temple. In other words, God is on His throne. God is good. God is righteous. And even though everything may be crazy right now in your life and, and you don't understand, listen, the Lord is still in His holy temple. He is still in control. And He says, let all the earth be silent before Him. God Himself put it like this in Psalm 46, verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were told to bow down to an idol when they heard the music. If not, they'd be thrown in the fiery furnace. And they told Nebuchadnezzar, the king, they said, you know what? We're not going to bow down. We believe our God will save us, but even if He doesn't, we're still going to believe. Why? Because the Lord is in His holy temple. He is still on the throne, and we're, we're going to live by faith. And that's what we're called to do as God's children. Let's sing a song that really goes along with what we're studying this morning. I think probably the majority of you will, will know this song.